right, we are live right now on the Painless Wholesaling Podcast. I got my man right here, Zachary Beach, who is the man of the Wicked Smart Coaching Program. He is the man. Zach, what's up, brother? Nathan, it's a pleasure. <laughs> pleasure, my man. I'm, I'm excited to spend some time with uh, with the Painless crew. The House painless. of Pain. Yeah, I, I, I think I've told you this before. For people that are maybe tuning in um, that are new, the painless, I call it painless because my last name is pain. And I try to make your investing journey as painless as possible because it can be difficult as a new investor if you don't know what you're doing. You could make mistakes. You could uh, get yourself in some sticky situations. So that's why we're here. We're here to talk about how you can learn from our experiences, especially from Zach. That's why I brought him on here. He loves creative financing. He's been in, you've been in real estate for how long? Uh, me now, eight years. Dang, man. Eight years. Well, what, what were you doing before? for real estate, bro. Bartender, personal trainer. Uh, really? I was, uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, I mean, when I was growing up, I grew up with like a, you know, single mom, father mm -hmm. wasn't around, you know, the, the money never made to the end of the week, uh, constantly being told, you know, that the, that money doesn't grow on trees, you name it. So, so in the, in a, a financial environment that wasn't advantageous for an entrepreneur, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Love her to death. Great mom. Uh, absolute great mom. Great grandmother too. But just, I was not put in an environment that was set up to be real estate investors or uh, business owners, multiple business owners. Like that wasn't set up in my life. So yeah. I just, I just consistently worked hard at certain things. And uh, actually I found my first entrepreneurial journey when I lived right next to a golf course and I used to find myself uh, walking through the tall grass and picking up golf balls. And then I'd go to, I think it was like the seventh green or the, I'm sorry, the seventh tee box. Yeah. I used to sell golf balls for $4. Four for a dollar. Like, Dang, bro. <laughs> I know. Well, now that I look at it and I go golfing, at, I went to the same course mm -hmm. and I'm like, it's three golf balls is $10. I'm like, I've been, I was giving away golf balls, especially with the hard work, but that's kind of where things started uh, transpiring for me. And then you know, I went through high school, barely made out of high school, you know, it was decent in college. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you do what every, you know, great person with a college degree does. They become a bartender. So I went and did that for uh, for four years, and then I ended up uh, pairing up with my father-in-law, Chris, who's one of my partners on this on oh, the okay. company that we run now, or multiple companies that we run. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I went to him because he was going through a transition in real estate. You know, he got crushed in 2008. He was trying to find his way, started doing creative financing, and I approached him and said, hey, I don't know if I'm going to like real estate, but it's going to be better than what the heck I'm doing. Yeah, uh, yeah, for so sure. That's when I made that transition from working late nights as a bartender and then personal training uh very early in the morning, I got burnt out there. So made that shift. Uh, it took me about six months to do my first deal. It ended up being a sub two deal. And mm. then kind of, you know, history was kind of started there in real estate investing. So let's talk about that first deal because a lot of the viewers, a lot of people that listen to this are, are brand new to investing. You said six months. A lot, a, a lot of people that get into this, they, they want to deal within their first week, man. How did you, how did you <laughs> stick it out for uh, six months? It's, it's funny that you bring that up just because we, we partner or coach with students. We mm -hmm. really lock arms with them across the country. And unrealistic expectations is one of the greatest downfalls to any brand new real, any brand new investor, any brand new business owner. Period. Mm -hmm. I just recently read a book. Um, the, your next five, next five moves from Patrick Bet David. Awesome book. So I was listening to the book, and I was walking out of. Uh, at the time, I was going to the YMCA. I was walking out of the YMCA. And I heard him talk in this in the first part of the book, and it, I literally stopped in the middle of the parking lot. People must have thought I was crazy, and I started taking out my my phone just like this, and I started taking down notes. 
Wow. And one of the notes, and I'm actually, this is going to be part of uh, one of the openings at our upcoming event in March. Part of the notes was his line was alignment is the key to fulfillment. And once you're aligned, I mean, in alignment, when you talk about your vision, like who you are, where you want to go, who you want to be, uh, to your expectations and to the amount of work that you're putting in. So when I say that unrealistic expectations is one of the number one downfalls for real estate, brand new real estate investors, business owners, is there is a... Um, there's an unrealistic expectation of what you're going to accomplish for most in a short period of time when you're becoming a, a business owner. Yeah. Uh, and it's because there's a misalignment, a misalignment with the amount of effort and action that you need to take on a daily basis to actually receiving the end result. Uh, so he says it very uh, eloquently stating like, what you really need to do is if you want to be in alignment with your end vision, and it has to be a big vision. And for somebody brand new doing their first deal is a big vision. Or leaving your job is a big vision yeah, uh, yeah. and trying to trying to get enough money in order to eclipse your salary. You you either number one need to raise your uh, the amount of action that you're taking consistently in order to meet your expectations, or you need to lower your expectations to meet the amount of work that you're currently doing. So when I, I put myself back in the position when I first started making phone calls, because really this is the most unsexy thing I'm going to tell you when it comes to real estate investing. And that was, I spent the first two years of my real estate investment career on the phone for 50 to 60 hours a day. I was either on the phone creating what we would call leads. So I was talking to prospects, qualifying them with scripts, and then moving them through our funnel. Right. Or I was going on appointments where I was trying to convert those properties to deals. And I used to literally go, I used to leave every single Wednesday or Thursday for an entire day. I booked my own appointments. For the entire day, I used to travel through three states, Mass, Rhode Island, and Connecticut, and I would hit anywhere between uh, four and six appointments in that day. So I'd leave at like six in the morning, and I'd get back at six at night on the road. I was like a road warrior at that time. Right, you're dedicated, that was, man. That's wild. But that was the beginning of my real estate investment journey. Mm -hmm. And that was because my willingness or my vision was pulling me in such a direction that I needed to raise the level of my game. And at one point in time, Nathan, I was bartending, personal training, and making dials during the day. That's beautiful. Consistently. That's beautiful. Um, and then eventually I got to a point. So I did that. I did those three things for about three to four months. Mm -hmm. And then I got to a point where I felt as though I had the skill level where I was like, a deal is around the corner. So then I, you know, cortez it and burned all the ships. Got to. Uh, which I, which I don't always recommend at the beginning, but I was, I was young. I was able to do that. I didn't have a lot, a lot of overhead. I didn't have kids or anything like that. Not a lot of responsibility. And then it took me, you know, additional probably two months and I landed my first deal, uh, which was the sub two deal. Bro. Wow. I can't believe you were doing all that. That's amazing. So what enabled you to stop doing that grind? It sounds like you said for two years, you're doing it, right? Well, so so it was kind of fast forwarding a bit, but I went, so I ended up getting my first deal. And at that point in time, it was April of, I think it was 2015. And I made my full leap into becoming full-time real estate investor. Mm -hmm. And so I did that for two years because, so I did that for like the making phone calls to uh, the appointments uh, until I was able to scale myself up. So then we brought in some additional help that could then go on appointments. So I pulled myself out of the appointments, uh, still on the phone. This is exactly what we teach our students, which was, 
you start at the ground level with your scripts and then you improve. So then you, you move yourself up and then you train somebody underneath you in order to make those lower level calls. And then as you continue to elevate, you train that same person or multiple people to raise up in their level of communication. Cause that's all creative financing is. And then you get to a certain point as being one of the business owners that you're just closing deals, which yes. is yeah. what most people believe is real estate when they make the leap or they say, I'm going to go become a real estate investor. I'm just going to like, I'm just going to be out there and close deals. Now, majority of it is prospecting and follow up and talking yeah. to people on the phone until you build up a, a either a small team uh, and you duplicate yourself. So now you can just sit at the top and construct deals. But no, you can't construct deals until you go through that process because you would never be good at negotiation or understand how to construct these deals unless you went through the basics uh, that get you to a point where you can now actually level up because you've leveled up your skills. So you got to go through the pain. Sounds like you can't avoid it, brother. No, you absolutely cannot. Uh, there's, I was listening to a, um, if you watched the, the new Netflix special on Phil Stutz. I, I think I saw it, but I, I, I haven't seen it, but I saw it pop up. So good. I got like three pages of notes by watching a Netflix special, which doesn't normally happen. And he said, there's two things in this life that you, uh, that you can't get away from. Basically you have to go through pain and uncertainty, two <laughs> things, no matter what pain, and uncertainty. And it's when people try to avoid pain, and uncertainty is when people get depressed or they get on drugs or things like that. Um, and trust me, I have that experience. Uh, maybe we'll save that for another podcast. There you go. There you go. Somebody's so this is live. So someone says, so it's not completely painless, is it? <laughs> no. Unfortunately, maybe my marking has mis mis misled some of you out there. You can't get completely painless. We can try and get it painless, but not completely. Not in whole. Not in real estate, right? <laughs> um, God, no, no. You are. There's gonna be lots of. Lots of pain. The, the the reality is though, and this isn't trying to be patronizing, especially if you're like on the outside looking in, because mm -hmm. if we had a conversation with our inner circle of people that are all entrepreneurs or business owners or real estate investors, you name it, they're all going to tell you like the world of entrepreneurship is how much pain can you endure for a period of time before you start to see success? It's like consistent uncertainty and pain is the game that you get involved in. How much pain do you enter into <laughs> How much pain, pain can, can you handle? take? I love it. I love it. That's actually good, man. And I love how real you're being because I think a lot of people portray what we do as like, you know, luxury, right? It's like, well, hey, you, you eventually, right? But you got to go through the gauntlet. You know, you got to go through the fire to, to learn learn how to do it, right? Oh, yeah. Reality in A&E. It's not Bravo TV. I mean, I like shows like Million Dollar Listing and stuff, but they don't show the incremental things that somebody does on a day-to-day -day basis. They're showing you the uh, 10 years from now of where somebody got to. And, and let's just talk about that real estate, like that show, that real, the realtor show. I mean, they're in like the 1%, number one. And all those guys, if you read or listened to the book, uh, Sell It Like Sirhan, which is a pretty good book, actually. And he talks about it. Like he would spend, like all he spends is like hours and hours and hours and hours on the phone prospecting. Uh, then they show you like the five minute snapshot of the really luxury property. That's what everybody thinks is the real estate investing or real estate world. And really that's yeah. like a small five minute increment into the world of, of uh, who he is. Right. Most people want to see the results, right? They don't want to see what it took to got to get them. Right. Yeah. They want to see uh, I couldn't agree more. If you are somebody that um, either gets excited or gets emotional watching like the entrepreneurial like movies, uh, like Ford versus Ferrari or like uh, like some of those and you feel it, then you know exactly where you need to be because 
those movies tend to show you more about what the reality is of where I know we're talking about like entrepreneurship or business ownership right now right. than real estate yeah. investing. But those that's what that's what they show you is like the pain that somebody goes through until the end of the movie when they're like, and he finally accomplished it. Yeah, they finally uh, it's like won 30 it. years of pain, and then all of a sudden he became you know the millionaire or the billionaire. Uh, and that's so what, really what it is. So what do you say for people that join your coaching program or that you've worked with that want the result, but aren't willing to make the calls? Do you t tell them before they join? Like, Hey, you, you better be strapped up and ready. Or do you, do they usually join and then they find out, Oh shoot, I just signed up to make like to work really hard. Yeah. It's an interesting question because most people will tell you that they can do it, right? It's not until they're actually doing it is where they start to see it. And, and with some too, you know, they don't know what to expect. And then you'll see once they get in there, character now is being is being shown, like <laughs> what somebody's actual character is. Because you're yeah. like for most people that come to our community and that we work with, they're looking to leave their job. Like we have this tagline, uh, helping people escape their, their jobs is 2014. Like that that's where a lot of people come to our community is because they see creative finance in order to do so. Mm -hmm. um, and once they enter in, it's not like their W-2 stops. It's not that their family stops needing them. Uh, yeah, it's not that they exactly. stop like, you know, needing to see their, their family or doing all the extra activities that they're originally doing. So you start to see character being built, especially because the pressure of now you're starting a business on top of handling everything else is going to be a defining moment for some. And some, they crumble, they fall apart. Um, they either lower their expectation, right, of their goals because they're like, oh, now I realize the work, which is okay, as long as that aligns with your long-term vision. And then some are like, yep, totally get it. I, I'm, I'm starting to get comfortable now of being uncomfortable. And now it's like, how do I now elevate? And how do I now elevate? Gotcha. Um, people come to see us, Nathan, say our, our company and your company because they want to they want to pull it forward too right which mm -hmm. is which is what a coach does too a coach or a community it's supposed to pull it forward so yes somebody could go through pain and, and deal with all the trials and tribulation for the next three to five years or if they find a, the right coach the right community they could only have to go through that for a year or a year and a half because they can pull all that knowledge and experience forward. And like us, we lock our arms in the trenches. So I was literally just speaking with my, my uh, father-in-law partner. And he was like, I've just got on the phone with um, her name's Renee. She's out of Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. That she's They got on the phone with a seller. They're about to close an 84 month lease option. Um, so we're, and she's been with us for, I think less than 60 days. So we were able to help her by utilizing our experience to pull that yeah. deal forward and ahead right. of time. And right. that's why that's why the path, when you have the right coach, when you have the right community, can significantly change the timeline of your business. But it's not to take away anything from that student because that student needs to still put in a lot of time and effort and build that skill set. Right. And most importantly, build that mindset as they continue to, to go through this process. Yeah, so it's definitely like... Even even with your help and your program or being willing to help, they still got to take the action. It's not like you're replacing the the effort they have to put in because they have to do it to learn, right? You have to go through the furnace. You got to learn learn through experience. We can't plant that experience in you. Yeah, uh, one of our core values is match effort for effort. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's a main thing. So we can't uh, push a wet noodle, right? You, you can't you can't move that. But when somebody's running, oh boy, can we accelerate that process? Yes. Um, so it, it's not that anybody that joins coaching is not going to go from like zero to hero, but those that are committed are going to be able to move through that significantly faster 
um, versus those that, you know, are not committed. Have you had to have some of those hard talks with some of the people that you work with and be like, bro, you ain't doing nothing. Of course. Uh, one of our other core values is clear, blunt, to the point, no gray area. That doesn't mean for us to be rude. It means to, it's wasting time if you don't go ahead and share with them what their current skill sets are or what their current actions are telling you about where they're going. And some people just need to see a mirror. If you ever read the book Trillion Dollar Coach, which is another really good book, mm -hmm. uh, it's based upon, the, his name's escaped me right now, but he was the basically the mentor to Google and, and to a lot of those massive tech companies. Yeah. And he said that a coach is somebody there's to show you your blind spots. So it's really easy for us to, to go in the mirror and be having a tough day and blame everyone else, right? Or right. blame everyone else for the results that we're getting. But if you have a really good coach or good, uh, you know, community where somebody can literally look at you and say, you know what, the, the big challenge is actually is you. You're not fall, you're not being coachable. You're not following the directions. You're not putting in the additional effort. You're putting in minimal effort in order to get the results. And, uh, and the results are, are coming from that effort. So having those tough conversations is absolutely a, uh, a daily, a daily message to some. Yeah. And some people don't want to hear it, man. Some people don't want to hear it. Hey, I know, I know I have to do certain things too. And it's those small, simple things that take that you have to do every day that make the big impact. So, Oh, Nathan, um, I'm guilty too. I'm absolutely are, guilty. <laughs> I, I, at any point in time have at least one, if not up to three coaches in multiple facets of my life, either that or I'm, I'm a part of a mastermind. That's, that's the reason why you and I are here connecting, right? We're part of, right. we committed to being a part of a mastermind in order to grow our skill sets, our systems, our mindset, whatever it was that we came into that that mastermind for. And it's available there for a mirror or for, to, to bounce ideas or to ask people tough questions. Hey, these are the results I'm getting. What am I doing wrong? You're maybe five years ahead of me in your business. Tell me, tell me what should I expect? Am I being unrealistic? Uh, those are the questions that we get to ask uh, to our mentors and, and uh, people that we surround ourselves with. So let me ask you something about your program. Uh, so you, you partner with uh, students, correct? Like to help them out? Um, yeah, we do a profit share with our students. Yep. So how does that look? Do they provide you with leads that they can't close, but they're like, hey, I know this person is legit. I just don't know how to negotiate it. And then you go in and you send in your closer and get it done. Is, is that kind of what it is? Uh, no, uh, not exactly. So the, the way in which our, our associate experiences work uh, is you not only get uh, a coach, like a personal coach, you're also going to get small group coaching, mm -hmm. uh, a 90 day on ramp, and then consistently being able to communicate with our coach. It's almost like we can put them in your business. Yeah. Um, so we bring them from anything from the very beginning. Let's say you're brand new, move them in to show them how to set up their systems, put everything in place, uh, and then be able to go from there to help them build on the, what we call it our genius models, their mindset, their skill set, and their systems throughout the process. But we actually help people put deals into their portfolio. So as they bring uh, leads in, we can then communicate with them at the beginning of their journey where it's like, hey, you know, I called on a prospect and you jump on a three-way phone call. All right, great. We'll do a three-way phone call. All right, we move that prospect forward. Hey, can you be available on the phone for me when I go visit the property? So that way the seller's got additional questions. You can jump in on it. Hey, can you be available in, a, in order to help me negotiate this deal or help me craft up some offers? Oh, you got, I'm about to send out an agreement. Can we make sure we re review this, revise it? 
uh, make sure it's all set to go out. All right, now we've taken under agreement. Can you now help me uh, launch and market my property in order to drive buyers to me? And then we help them go through the entire vetting of the buyer process. Okay, so it's the whole acceptance. process. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we help them put deals into their um, portfolio, and then what we, we have the rev share from it. So they're actually getting all the benefits of ownership, taxes, all that benefits. We're just getting a, a rev share as being uh, their advisor or their coach. And I like to call it a quasi partnership is because our coaches are on the phone with these, with our students, probably more than they're you know around with their family. Wow. That's wild. Mm. So I have a, I have a creative deal I want to ask you about. So it was yesterday. Uh, one of my students uh, brought me a, a lead that he said she wanted to sell. I called her. And she wanted too much for a wholesale deal, like most people, right? They don't want to, they don't want like 50% of what their house is worth. And uh, so I said, Hey, I can give you what you're asking, but uh, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna need to do terms, right? And she's like, Okay, what does that look like? I was like, No money down. I can do 4% interest. I didn't talk about interest. I just said the payment, right? I said, The payment, your mortgage payment is 1300. I can do like 1400 uh, a month and uh, no money down. And she's like, Okay, I can do that for two years. So we did a two year balloon. And uh, right now at Airbnb, B's for 3k 3,000 a month and regular rents are 2,000 so for me I think that's a good deal because I get to get into this property with no money and she signed and everything we're good to go but so no money it's already fixed up it's already in great shape it's remodeled yeah so tell me just hearing that is that does that sound like something that's like a good deal or would you be like nah man that sucks because i'm not like the master of creative but i i know as long as you're i've been told if you can make at least 300 uh cash flow a month uh, and not put anything into it, it's a good deal so nathan i would always start with because that could be a good deal or that could be a bad deal and, and let me let me walk you through this and that's because i don't understand what the end goal is right Mm-hmm. If I understand the end goal, so what's your exit strategy? So when the two years comes up, what are you going to do? Either refinance and keep it or sell it. Okay. Um, and if you were going to sell it, you would, did you buy it at a discount? So I bought it at, so right now it's worth 300,000 right okay. in its current state. And I bought it for 300,000. That's the purchase price. Okay. So you bought it at retail. So if you're going to sell it, we got to hope that the market either stays flat or that it increases. Right. Um, that, that's kind of the window that's kind of short, the right? Part. Um, it is because you got to think about you got this thing for 18 months if you're mm-hmm. going to sell it and then you got to put it on the market with six months left and that is the kind of the 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 why i got it right because i gave her her price she just was like dude i just want 300 that she bought it two years ago for 285 right so yeah. um she tried to list it for 320 commissions and fees she was like getting thing i think around like 310 so she was yeah. getting less after everything than 300 so okay yeah. and then so let's just assume you're Let's say you're going to refinance because that's like I would never personally guarantee debt, not on any of our investment properties. That's just we don't utilize cash. We don't. I mean, we put down some small down payments, but we're not using bank loans and we're certainly not personally guaranteeing debt or giving our credit pulled. OK, um, so let's talk about let, let's look at the rest of the deal. So you bought it for 300K. What's the mortgage balance at the time in which you bought it for her mortgage balance? Oh, I. I didn't ask her what uh, what she owes on it. I just asked her what her mortgage payment was, and it was uh, thirteen hundred. And she bought it two years ago. So let's just say she bought two eighty five. It's been two years. Let's say it's down to like two eighty, maybe. Okay. All right. That could have been a sub two. Um, well, it, it is a sub two. Okay, I don't know so if I explained you, it right. I'm okay. just I'm a, I'm bringing nothing down. And I'm just uh, taking over and making the her the payments. 
What, what, the title transfer? Uh, we haven't done it yet. I, I just signed okay. it yesterday, but I'm assuming um, we would we would do just the normal sub sub two route. Okay, so purchase and sale agreement subject to existing loan. Yeah. Um, so you're gonna have to find out her mortgage balance because you're buying it subject to her existing. Yeah, loan. of course. Yeah. yeah. So I, her mortgage balance. Okay. Yeah. So I would have to find that out. Okay, it yeah. makes sense. And then I just knew it was less than what I was buying it for, so I didn't really ask. Here would be some important question. So the, the question I'm asking is like if I asked a student. Of course. Um, of course. Yeah. So, so basically she's financing, let's say if she's got a balance of 280, she's financing 30 uh, or $20,000. Mm -hmm. Is that $20,000 going to be due as 0% interest and just a balloon in 24 months? Yeah. So what I was, I was going to do the way I set it up is at in 24 months, I was having the payment 4% interest basically go towards the purchase price, right? Like, uh, and go down and it was going to, at the end of 24 payment periods, it was going to be 286 that would, I would owe her after 24 payment periods. Okay. Does that um, make sense? It's just 4% interest and it's taken away from the principal for 24 months. Like that, some of it's going to interest, some of it's going to the principal. Yeah. So are you creating a new loan? And, and I don't want to overcomplicate this here, but it's, it's, are you creating a new loan at 4% interest rate that's going to pay and service the original loan? That's what I, that's how I set it up. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's so we'd be creating basically a wrap mortgage. So you gotta close on it and put a wrap mortgage on it for three hundred thousand at four percent interest rate. That loan is gonna then service the original loan that's on the property. Yeah, so so if I maybe I, I, I misunderstood. So subject two is just assuming their payment. It's not doing a wrap, which well, I'm would doing. Be a, yeah, just I think we're we're saying the same thing, but assuming would mean that you're signing personally on that debt. Okay. Um, which, all which we would not. be doing is closing on it and now we're making payments for the seller because the way a sub two works is uh and this would be for the audience I'm, I'm this is great curious. man i mean i, I so, this <laughs> let so me just tell everyone sorry yeah, let me just say something to the audience look i've done a couple sub two deals and i've uh i don't really know what's going on other than i i've i just got the numbers right <laughs> yeah but the best thing about bad, that but... nathan is you're taking your next step you're not afraid to take your next step and most of the time fear right. holds people back from doing a deal that's also why people get coaches right is to eliminate some uncertainty so the way a sub two would typically work is you approach a seller. So in this circumstance, you would approach a seller. You say, hey, I'm going to go ahead and we're going to purchase your property. Mm -hmm. I'm going to buy your property subject to the existing loan. It's not, I wouldn't use that language when talking to a seller, but you're going to close on it. In this case, you'd be buying it subject to the existing loan. So assume that loan, maybe that, maybe that loan is at 280. So you're buying right. it subject to 280, right? That loan mm -hmm. is going to stay attached to the seller and remain on the property. You're not paying it off. The seller, in, in most circumstances, the seller would then be financing the difference. So it'd be, so it'd say it's 280, she's got 20 grand in equity. Okay. And the way in which we would typically structure that is then at 0% interest, zero payments, doing a balloon. So it's just basically a placeholder. Mm. That's one way you could do it. The other route that you're talking about is you're recreating a new mortgage, you're in, you and your attorney, and now are creating a mortgage that wraps the current mortgage that's in place. In order to, uh, and that that new loan will service the original loan. Yeah, and I'd have to get a servicing a company, right? I'd have to get a right. servicing company to I'd pay them, and they'd take care of everything. Yes. Uh, so here's what here's some tweaks and things that I would have done slightly different. So Please do. In, in conversations that I need to have with the seller is I want to know roughly about what they want for their purchase price. I, I need to know what the balance of the loan is, and the, that is so important to us because we need to understand how much equity is in this deal. Because if I knew this seller only had 20 grand in equity, the offers that I'm giving them are going to be different. Because I could say to her, 
Hey, no, um, you know, I could give you 300,000 for, uh, and I need 60 months, 10 years, whatever that's going to look like. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy it for exactly what your loan balance is. And we're going to put a, a second position on the property. That's 20 grand. That's going to be your placeholder. It's going to mm -hmm. be secured by the property. And I'm just going to make your current monthly payment. Okay. So whatever the interest rate on that property is, that's what you're going to be making the monthly payment. So that means that you're going to get the benefit of principal pay down on that loan too, the the, the current loan, okay. which is further along in the amortization schedule, which means that you're going to get more principal pay down. Got it. Then what also you could have done is say, all right, Mr. Seller, I could do that or we could buy it. I could give you maybe 10 grand right now or seven grand right now. And you can go ahead and walk away. Okay. You you just bounce, right? So now it's like, now you just bought the property sub two, you put down seven grand and you have nothing owed to the seller. Now what that has done is there's no end date on sub twos. Like you just make that payment on that mortgage. So that property just went from a two year deal to a 30 year deal or whatever. You can do whatever you want with it. Okay. So you're looking at it this way. You're saying, Hey, look, uh, really the equity you have is this. Will you take this equity just to balance? Right. And look, I'm just going to take take over the payments, right? doesn't matter to you because I, I got it covered. So versus what I did is I just said, hey, in two years, I'll pay it off, the whole thing off. Yes, it's common mistakes, especially if you haven't done a lot of sub twos is we're assuming, and this is something that it took me a long time to get this too. Mm -hmm. We're assuming things that the seller wants because we are, because we're so ingrained or so, uh, we're so used to and have a specific paradigm on how things operate in real estate. Right. It's like this seller doesn't want to be a part of this uh, property and only will go two years. Okay. Well, you know, why would somebody sell me the property, a transfer title without me, you know, either giving them a high interest rate or giving them a bunch of money or paying full retail price. We almost, and this was me too. I almost, you almost put yourself in like a beggar's mentality. Cause it's like, well, um, if you're going to, if they're so graciously going to give me a creative financing deal, then I need to make this deal like the best thing in the world for them. Right. In all reality, we just need to solve their problem. And once you solve their problem, their pain of you solving that problem or your elimination of that pain, no pun intended, is right, going right. to then create a good deal for you. So like, let's say this, this seller, um, if we didn't bring to the table and say, I like, these are the terms I want, I'll pay you two years, I'll pay you 4%, you mm -hmm. could have potentially, right, in hindsight, structured a better deal. Because you just asking more questions to say, if I did this, uh, what, what would you be open to? Or, hey, I may be able to give you your purchase price. Uh, I understand that, you know, obviously it's been tough to sell this thing on the market. If I was able to get your price, you know, how long of a time frame do you think you'd be able to wait for your equity? Mm -hmm. And then she could have said something and you could have hemmed and hawed and got her potentially like, if she said, oh, I would do two years. And you're like, I would love to do that. But at two years, I'd only be able to do this. Or, you know, I would really need 60 months if, if we were going to do that for you. Is that something you're open to? And so a it's lot just of knowing that people on the same side as the seller trying to solve their problem. Yeah. And I think from uh, you're, you've been doing this a while for me, it's like, I, I, I don't really have those, uh, that muscle developed on how to ask the right questions. Right. But uh, no, those are great questions to ask as you're saying it. Like, like, again, I didn't really care what her mortgage was. Right. Like that she currently had. Cause I was like, well, it doesn't really matter if I wrap it. Right. That was my thought, but you're right. Like if, if it was like 10 K then it's like, well, let me just get her 10 K and we don't ever have to worry about each other ever again with a balloon payment. hundred percent. And you almost, you, you actually like created more work by going to the wrap right away instead of just taking over that understanding what her equity was. Cause if she like, let's say if she has 20 grand in there 
let's mm -hmm. let's be honest. If she has twenty thousand dollars in equity, if she's if she even gut her purchase price, let's say she gut her purchase price at three hundred thousand, mm -hmm. how much money do you think she actually put in her pocket? Like how much money do you think she would put in her pocket? What do you mean by that? Like if 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 she owes two eighty and and we got gave her three hundred thousand, that's twenty k, um, right? Well, let's. So let me back up. I, I know you're not in my head. So let's say she sold the property for 300000 traditionally. Yes. With a realtor. With an agent. Uh, yeah. She, yeah, with an agent, closing costs. She would probably put in her pocket somewhere between three dollars and $5,000 at the most. Of course. So a change in um, in script, and this is a this is a script that we use quite often, and absolutely changes the dynamic of the conversation. Which is, all right, Mrs. Sally, I understood that you were on the market at some at one point in time. Mm -hmm. If you sold, how much net do you think you'd put in your pocket? Like Got how it. much money do you think you'd get? And then she would give you a number, and you could have said, "Well, hypothetically, if I could get you around that number or at that number, would you be open to me just go ahead and paying you over time?" And you may have just dramatically dropped the amount, like, because you offered, right, the 300000 mm -hmm. You may have dramatically dropped that to five grand. She yeah. would have got 295 or 290 versus, uh, or 285. Right. By saying, hey, this is what you would have probably taken away if you listed it, right? After commissions and fees. Yeah. And it's actually getting them to say it, which is yeah. even more important. Which is the key, uh, right? It's got to be their idea or they got to feel confident about it. That makes sense. So then imagine this too. So, you get her to now say, I was only going to get $5,000. And now imagine if you said, well, I know you're only going to get five. So um, imagine if, if, if I was able to get you to five, here's what it may look like. Mm -hmm. And she says, and maybe that's the, a 48 month term or something. And it's like you pay her five grand in 48 months. Or now you can even start to say, oh, I'll give you $7,500 if we can change this to an eight year deal. Or you maybe say, hey, you know, how would I give you a portion of it now? And we do an installment sale. So now she's got maybe, because we bought a property very similar. They had 15 grand in credit card debt. We bought it sub two. And then what we said was, hey, I can't give you the whole 15 grand now, but what we'll structure is over the next three years, I'll pay you $5,000 every year hmm. until it's paid off. And of course, that gives you plenty of time to make a bunch of money on this property. It also does solve the seller's challenge and it actually gives her a little bit of money in her pocket. Wow. There's a lot of you can do here, man. It's blowing my mind. I was just, I'm just a rap guy, dude. That's all I can think about. Oh, let me just put a new more, like just put in my calculator and make a new loan. Yeah. And actually that's probably the more complicated way of going about it. In, in all honesty, um, wow. cause you're adding another layer. You now have to create a new instrument. Um, yeah, for sure. So the rap mortgage definitely comes into play in a lot of circumstances. And it does, especially when the seller wants to, if the seller wants to be in a better protected position and if the seller wants to eventually go get another loan for a property because that wrap is now going to show on their debt to income ratio that that loan's being serviced, the original loan. If you're buying it sub two, it actually won't show that it's being serviced. So mm -hmm. it, it's going to depend on the person that's there. Uh, there's also contract for deed or deed in lieu. Mm -hmm. um, you can utilize those as well, land contracts, which are, I don't think we have enough time here to talk about that here today. But yeah, that's a, another way in which you can structure these types of deals to get them to the end result that the seller wants. Um, so just so many ways. So let me say this to, to everyone listening, because I know this may have jumped over your head, which is completely understandable. And that is creative financing. Most people believe that creative financing is more complicated than wholesaling, fix and flipping, fix and flip. But in all reality, it's actually less moving parts because there's less people. What tends to make people you know, look like a deer in headlights is that there's more options available. And knowing when to use those options is what you know kind of uh, stops people. So know that that over time just comes with experience. 
But I love what you're doing, Nathan, which is like, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to figure out how to do this. My first deal isn't going to be perfect. Um, <laughs> definitely not. My first deal definitely wasn't perfect. Uh, Neither was but mine, gonna, bro. <laughs> but we're going to get better over time, right? We're going to get better over time. Let, let me, let me, let me make, uh, let me humble myself here for a second. So I talked about that deal, that original deal, that sub two deal, we ended up acquiring it. That property was listed in two, like it was in a town, but it also listed in a like segment of a town as well. It's called Holden and Jefferson. One of them had it listed that it had a, a lead certificate. One of them did not. We placed a tenant buyer in the property, which is how we operate on our back end. And the tenant buyer ends up doing a lead test. That, that cost us $30,000 on that deal up front. You know, oh, over time, that deal became good. I think it had to be like a net 70. But imagine this, bartender, personal trainer, it takes me six months to do my first deal. You know, I'm working with my in-laws who have 25 and, you know, five years of experience. So they have so much more experience than me. I do my first deal. I bring this deal to the table. Sub two costs everyone $30,000 up front. They're like, dude, let's get this guy out of here. <laughs> I know. I'm like, <laughs> like this guy's probably not, guy's probably not man, for real estate. That's awesome. But, that's funny. But that's it. It kind of loops around back to the beginning of our conversation, which was, I didn't let that stop me from saying, Hey, I, I, I got a lesson learned. We actually included in all of our agreements, all of our students now, if they look at the agreements, actually have a lead section in it. Uh, so when you look at that, you can think of me now. Yeah, um, the lead guy. And we, we endured the pain and then we kept moving forward and then we kept working that deal. And because of creative financing, we are able to exit that deal in I think like six, within 60 months. And it ended up being like a positive, you know, 75K or something. Like yeah, that. now I've seen those lead things in those contract, lead, lead, like uh, whatever you want to say, uh, wording and i've always been like why is that even in there <laughs> yeah well, now, you know why now now i get it so let me ask you this because this happens all the time with new wholesalers they'll say hey i got a creative deal or hey i got a sub two deal and then they're like you just need to bring 100k down or 50k mm -hmm. down or a ton down is there does that kill a deal most of the time because in my mind it's like hey if it's more than like 15 percent of the purchase price or 20 or a certain amount nobody's want wants that tell me if that's true i i, I don't want to give like a, a blanket statement because yes high down payments tend to kill deals in our world um we like to see if we're going to put a down payment we like to see that return from what we would call our first payday so when our tenant buyer moves into the house they're then going to give us a large non-refundable deposit and then we're going to cash flow it which is our payday too and then we're going to build an equity, which is our payday three or the, the third okay. uh, when that property cashes out. So typically, if we're given down payments and know that over the past 10 years, it's about 90 and 95 percent of our deals didn't require any down payment. Wow. And a lot of that is because, number one, when we first started, we didn't have all these down payments. We didn't have money to do down payments. You get, mm -hmm. get really good at your scripts. Uh, but then two is it's it's just part of a it's one of the terms. It's one of the terms. It's it's figuring out what's most important to the seller. And we ask that all the time. Is it price? Is it down payment? Is it time frame? You tell me what's most important to you. Uh, and I could more than likely craft something up to help you get there, but I won't be able to give all of it to you because then it doesn't make financial sense for me to buy it. Gotcha. Um, so I, I know I went off a little no, bit. No, that's good. Cause the reason I ask you is sorry. The reason I ask you is just because I, I talked to a lot of sellers who like, for example, I have a call with someone at three 30. She wants a higher price house. Isn't that bad. She's not going to accept a cash, like a, a wholesale cash offer, but mm -hmm. she needs the money. 
because she says she's trying to retire and take all her equity. She owes 80,000. Her house is worth about 300,000. So she's going to take the equity, move somewhere, and she wants to buy something cash. So for me, I'm like, "Mm, even if I were to work something out with her, she's going to want a certain amount down so she can put down on a new home. So uh, part of me is like, forget the subject, creative financing. Let's not even think about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, some of that means that the seller needs to go through more pain is 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 the truth their, their mm-hmm. motivation is not there yet in order to do a creative deal or a wholesale deal right right um, because my open dialogue with a seller is like the only person that's going to give you all of that money down and give you your price is a retail buyer someone that's going to move in the house and that that's not me so either one is you need to be able to take your equity over time or two is that you got to take your equity at a discount because that that's the only way that it would make sense for me as the buyer okay that's so that's the perspective change I'm challenging each of you that are watching this to think of. It's you're the buyer. Yes, you may be looking for creative deals, but that doesn't mean that you buy a bad deal because they're willing to do creative. It's true. Very true. Um, so when we put out a down payment, if we're going to put a down payment, we're typically in like the 3 to 5% range three because five. we know we're going to be able to get 5 to 10% from our buyer, which means that we're already positive on the deal. Do, do you sell it to your buyer on a wrap? Is that how you do it? Typically, we're selling it on rent to own or a lease option okay? Uh, because we got more control of it. Plus, uh, if we have title, so there's three ways we buy. We buy on lease options, we buy on sub twos, and we buy on owner financing, like mm-hmm. if we generalized it. So in order for us to sell on a wrap, we have to have title. So, But majority of the time, we want to take advantage of the tax benefits of having ownership. So we'll sell it on rent to own first. Plus, in most states, eviction laws are more advantageous than foreclosure laws. Yeah, it's very difficult. Yeah. Uh, so it depends on the state. Like in the state of Texas, you're probably going to do all wraps, and you're going to probably you're going to do all sub twos, you're going to do all owner fines, you're going to do all wraps, mo- most likely, because mm-hmm. that's what that state is. The laws are built for that state that way because the eviction, I mean, the foreclosure process is like 60 days. Mm-hmm. So it's built that way. So that's mm-hmm. the way you'd strategically look at it. Uh, but in most states, the eviction is easier to get somebody out of the property. So you have control on a lease option. Um, but there's many deals in which we marry the two together. And this is kind of our strategy. So we put them on a rent-to-own first, okay. allow them to make all their payments, make all their down payments. And then if we have enough time, meaning like we don't have a balloon or anything to do, we'll then go to that buyer and say, hey, you know what? We can actually finance you on this deal. And then at that point in time, we would primarily construct like a contract for deed or a land contract or something like that with that buyer at a higher interest rate. Okay, cool, cool. So I, I totally get the lease option because you you don't, you have way more control as the the, buy, the owner of the property, mm-hmm. the seller. Cool. Wow, man, that's awesome. Do you feel like uh, you've mastered the seller finance game or do you feel like you're, you're still much more to learn? Oh, there's always so much to learn. Uh, there's deals in which we come across like even now, uh, and it should say even now, but that we come across and we, we you know, scratch our heads. and like, how do we figure this out? And that's, that's why creative financing is fun. It's like, no matter what, you always got, like, there's always something that's going to come across. You'd be like, I've never seen that before. And it's like, how do we handle that? Dude, so this lady that I, uh, I I got this deal with, she gave me another property she's willing to do terms on. I might as well just, I should give it to you and see what you can whip out. And then we should partner on her or something. Because I, I, I'm going to call her and uh, make her an offer on it. But uh, I don't know. Like, maybe we should right. work together on it. Uh, Nathan, you're going to give her a way more advantageous deal for her than I am. This one's in Jacksonville, Florida. So I don't know yeah. if you mess around there, but... Uh... Yeah, uh, so- we'll, we'll mess around anywhere. 
Uh, like, That's what I like to hear. Like 80 plus markets right now. Dang, bro. Okay. And, and the way you get it done is, uh, well, do you find it's difficult to have all those lease options going on? Would you, would, would you rather just get out of there so you didn't have to worry about it? Like, uh, you know, I mean, like worry about the, the people that are, are renting, renting to own. Um, well, to answer that question, I mean, it, it, we're not worried about it. I mean, this is our business, right? This, right. this is what we've always done. And I would, at this stage, right, um, I would rather have somebody in the property that has 10, 15% down. It's very, they have the buyer's mentality. It's like okay. when, we, when we own businesses and we have employees that have profit share or teammates that have profit share or have equity stake mm -hmm. in the in the company they always treat their they always treat the company or somebody like that always treats the house in way better condition true. than somebody that's renting or that's just getting a paycheck that's uh, so true. i our business was built on that and the reason why we're able to infiltrate so many markets is because when a student comes in and lock arms with us we enter into that market and then we start doing deals with them in that market uh because what we um the way in which we tell our students to kind of evolve first is do deals in the 50 mile radius around you because you already know, like, and trust that area. Yeah. Uh, so let's sure. not overcomplicate it. Let's get you moving forward. Uh, so now that's how that continues to expand. So then we always have, uh, we always have somebody that's local that we're doing deals. With. I like it. So last question I have for you, because we've gone a good amount, but I've, I've enjoyed every minute of it is, uh, I know you got some interesting, probably an interesting story for me about a, a deal you did. did. Like maybe a tenant just taken off in the middle of the night or that had, oh. Yeah, what do you got for me? I've kind of seen it all. Anything interesting just, deal? Yeah, that interesting. jumps out at me. Yeah, do you have anything? If not, it's okay. I'm just curious because I know you probably ran into some interesting probably situations with sellers or. Yeah, I've had more horror stories than than uh, that. I'd like to say because uh, at the end of the day, I mean, this stuff happens all the time. Interesting deal though. Um, well, horror stories, yeah. interesting deal. It don't matter to me unless you can't admit oh. it on air. <laughs> yeah <laughs> too many of them um interesting deal i'm trying to give you like a good story and, and some of them may just seem sad uh, yeah <laughs> no no I mean, i've had plenty of people that have uh we've had people that have passed away in houses we've had people that you know uh have uh, absolutely destroyed houses uh lease, in the past we've lease, had lease options like where they've like been leasing it and they've uh they passed away oh yeah and we've had stories where the seller passed away um, where we're buying a property and then the seller passes away, uh, which is always an interesting, uh, interesting dynamic. Yeah. Then you got to uh, deal with their family, right? Yes. Uh, luckily, if things were in trust. Sure. Let me say this, though. Um, I, we've been through so many horror stories and, and come to our events. We'll, we'll tell you them all. Yeah. Uh, but the reality is there are less horror stories typically than most rentals. Uh, because you, you have buyers in the properties that that actually care about the house. And, and ours is roughly an 80 to 90% success rate. But you always have those crazy stories that pop up. Um, yeah, for sure. That, you know, you just, you shake your head sometimes. But uh, yeah, that's, I'll that's give you a good one. This, this one. this is a fun one, though. Okay, give, right. me the, so give me a fun one. We had brother. a student come up. Um, so with some of the, the associates that we work with, those students we work with, they get an office visit. And the office visit means they'll come up and we'll actually take them on appointment of deals that we were booking and working. Mm -hmm. So the student comes up, he's actually came out of Jacksonville, came mm -hmm. up, visit us. They spent the day with us in the office. Then we go on the road. So we went to a property. It's on a lake. It's about probably an hour and 15 minutes away from where we're located. It's like 9 a.m. Really nice day, summer, 9 a.m. So we walk up to the house. The TV is blaring, like blaring. Gotcha. So we're knocking on the door. 
We're knocking on the door and we're like, I'm like, I'm sorry, Dave. Uh, I don't, I don't know if this guy's here. All of a sudden, this guy walks up the stairs in like ragged t-shirt, pants basically falling down, comes to the comes to the door. And I'm like, hey, uh, yeah, we're here to see your property and we booked the and you confirmed yesterday. <laughs> and he acted like he had no idea what the heck I was talking about. So like, when I mean? walked in the property, he starts showing me the house. And what I noticed while he's showing me the house is he's slurring. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh God. I'm like, I look at I look at Dave and just go, this dude's hammered. This guy, yeah, he's a hungover. So we walk all the way down. Oh no, he just started drinking at like six. Oh, okay, not hungover. He was hammered. No, no, he was hammered. Walk all the way down to the dock, right? Because like this house walks, it's like it's on a lake, so it goes down, and then you get to the lake. And we're sitting at the dock, and I just start to explain stuff, and he just looks like you know he's hammered. So I just go, I just stop and go. All right, you're clearly drunk right now. Like, there's no point of us having any more conversations. We should probably just go, and then we'll call you tomorrow. So that's one. I, I got another good one for you now. Now you got go ahead. Yeah, they're gonna start coming now. So we're in uh, Central Connecticut, the mm-hmm. Central Connecticut Waterbury area, which isn't a great area. <laughs> we're going. We we're having a conversation with the seller. When we get there, the seller is actually, uh, which I didn't know, uh, was having like a mini open house. So like I was there, and she had like a couple of realtors, things like that. So we walk into the, the house and there was a tenant there and we walk in, we look to the left and there's like a giant mound of weed. It's like sitting there. <laughs> so we're walking to the house and like, the, like literally there's probably five or six of us walking through this property. Uh, and I'm having a conversation with the seller and I'm like pretty much ignoring it. Cause you know, it's, I guess normal in like the Worcester central mass area. So I was pretty much used to it, but we start walking through and this was another office visit. Just to let you know, this, his name's Link. He's one of our coaches. Yeah, he came up from North Carolina. Yeah, these uh, guys so, are like, what's going on over here? So now this seller, I mean, this realtor that's there is like hustling the seller. Like she, she's all over. Her. She wants to get this deal done. So eventually she ends up doing the deal because the lady's talking to me. I'm like, hey, if you just want to go to the realtor, I mean, I'm not, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't, obviously this isn't going to be a good deal for me. So now the realtor is signing paper on the table. So my, the student is now taking a picture of the realtor uh and it's the realtor basically signing a contract next to a giant pile of weed that's right uh, that's funny so, man. so there's a couple of funny stories of like the uh, going like man oh, yeah the student wasn't ready for that i bet he probably liked that oh it was it was comical i mean he, he's from the south too so he, he was just like joking around the entire time afterwards so those are the interesting things that happened needless to say i didn't do we didn't we didn't buy one of those properties but mm-hmm. uh you go on enough appointments, man, you'll see some stuff. Yeah. And that's, that's what I love about, I can tell just from what you're saying, man, you love what you do and you love helping others, man. So it's a great to have you on here. And I, I would uh, advise anybody that's watching this wants to crush creative financing and wants to learn to hit up Zach at the wicked smart. How can they hit, hit you up? How can they reach out to you? Yeah. Let me make sure I get you guys a, a free book link here. Let me make sure. Cause I know it's live. So I want to make sure I got the right one. Uh, so it is, wickedsmartbooks.com forward slash Nathan wickedsmartbooks.com forward slash Nathan love go it. ahead and we'll give you our uh, first Amazon best-selling book real estate on your terms uh, it really is the overview of creative financing how we do what we do and also kind of share our stories there as well so great great place to start so wickedsmartbooks.com forward slash Nathan. how's that wickedsmart books.com forward slash Nathan. Is that it? You got it, my man. You got it. Okay. Go get a book, man. Go read a book, everybody. Yeah, exactly. So so I, this is live. So I do have uh, someone asked this question. They said, have you done any deals on right of redemption states? So let's say the state I'm in has 90 days of redemption after the auction has occurred. Can you assign it during the redemption period? So I don't, 
I don't know if you yeah. know that. I don't I don't know anything about that. Yeah, some states it's a redemption period, but these are auctions. Um Okay. We're so not, not we're not we're we're not buying properties at auctions. We're buying properties. So think of this, this is like nice move-in ready homes or you know, our our need to be updated, something like that. This this isn't auction houses. Even in the pre-foreclosure, foreclosure process. We tend, we want to catch these deals even before they go to pre-foreclosure, but that would be like, if they hit pre-foreclosure, that would be like our window before they went to auction, before they went to banks, because we, we want to avoid banks. Gotcha. Oh yeah. This, this now that you talked about, uh, you don't really mess around too much with flips. So let's say a, a seller wants to sell you a property and it's a good deal, good terms, but it's completely trashed. Do you guys mess with those or do you only really touch the ones that are like moving ready and you can just get, you know, turn around real quick? Yeah, we would call those work for equity homes. And if you're first getting started, that might be a give yourself a chance. You buy it contingent upon finding a third party buyer using any of our agreements that they'll always be in there. So we were doing a deal actually with this gentleman that, you know, was there taking the picture. Mm -hmm. We did a deal with him down. He's out of Charlotte. Uh, and we actually acquired a property on uh, owner financing. I think it was a 72 month balloon. Mm -hmm. Didn't even have copper in the house. Oh, we ended up, we bought for like eighty some thousand dollars on terms, and then what we did is we looked for a work for equity buyer who had to be in a mm. contractor. They came in, did a bunch of work to the property, and cashed us out. I think that Got deal it. ended okay. up acquiring high eighties total profit. But, but but you're not messing with uh, you 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 yourself. You're like I'm not going to go fix something up on no. terms. No, we're and it's not that you can't. It's definitely not that you can't. So. If I could kind of tie things in a bow here, creative financing for those that are listening, like right now, let's say you're actively following Nathan, you're doing wholesale deals, you're doing fix and flip. Creative financing now is the ability to go ahead and acquire another deal from the current leads that you're bringing in. Yes. At least one more deal. And then this deal will happen to be able to bring you cash now, cash monthly and back end profits. But it's, it's stop throwing away your leads. So if somebody says to you, I'm not willing to take the deal in which you're proposing for a wholesale, then you can make another offer. Exactly what Nathan just did. doesn't have to be perfect. He made another offer because the first option that they went to didn't work. And he right. said, all right, well, how do I do another offer? Create another offer, get another property under agreement. Because uh, if you've read any of the books of uh, Stephen Schwarzman, the guy who started uh, Blackstone, mm -hmm. he always says, don't over-negotiate deals because if there's a high potential of long-term uh, gains on it, then you do, you create the best deal you could possibly get. So it's like, that's what you did, Nathan, right? You go, with my knowledge and what I have available, this is the best deal I could possibly get because I'm not going to like completely fret over that because I know that I can make $1,000 a month off this property for the next 24 months. And as I go through it, I'll figure out my exit strategy. And that's there exactly you what you can do with, with some of the stuff you're doing right now. Man, I love it. I love it. And I think you know, you're a great guy to learn from. And and what we're going to do, we talked about this earlier, but in people in my community, I want them to, uh, you know, if there's anything that they have and it's creative that, you know, that directly just send them to you. Right. We got, we got to figure out how, how we're going to do it though. Right. Like, um, you know, if they have something they can send it over, maybe they can fill out a form or something. Yeah. We'll have to figure that out. Um, we uh, yeah, there's a handful of people right now. It seems to be a massive need for that when it comes to losing deals and and you probably get a bunch of trash too. Deal. To be real, you probably get a bunch of sellers uh, who aren't even that motivated, right? Well, the challenge with some of that is that we get to build the student or the 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 real estate investor from the ground up to know how to, for that communication and to recognize a creative deal versus a wholesale deal. So it's never a bad idea to invest in your education for both wholesale and for creative. They're mm -hmm. not going to, 
They're not going to cannibalize themselves. And if anything, you may want them to sometimes cannibalize themselves. Yeah. Because I know so many people that start in wholesale and then they start to do some creative deals. And like, why am I wholesaling these things out anymore? I'll just be the buyer. Exactly. Well, we'll, we'll figure it out. But hey, it's great having you on the Painless Podcast. Uh, thanks for letting everyone know what they can do. We've, we've covered some great stuff. So is there anything else you'd like to leave the audience with before we tune out? Life Awards action. That's it. You got to go take some action. We, we spoke a lot about stuff today. Now it's time for you to start taking your next step, whether it be small or big, in order to move towards either doing creative financing or doing wholesale. Just, you got to do something. Don't go listen to another podcast. Go make a phone call. Yeah, All right. exactly. All right. Thanks, man. Peace out, everybody.